Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Welcome to Five Star Autopsy, where we examine the cause of death for the greatest creative runs in pop culture history. And today on the slab, director Tim Burton. Okay, so I think we all kind of know where this is going. Tim Burton might be the greatest, um, the greatest uh, high to low, meaning that he comes on the scene real hot, hitting the ground with a. a we're gonna go through it. An incredible run. It's just there's no getting around it. It's 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 damn near one of the best runs we we've ever covered. But then after that run is over, oh man, it is real dicey. Like there is, I think there are some isolated pieces of greatness, which even though they don't even get close to the actual run, but they're they're good. Um, but man, there is he falls. I, I, I and um, this is growing up with Tim Burton as one of my favorite directors as a kid. Uh, he was one of the first guys I guess I turned on. Uh, I, I'm still, I'm hoping that he comes back with something good, something great again. But I, when I say turned on, I, I mean that, um, I'm pretty loyal when it comes to creators. So I'll, if, you know, as long as you don't really burn me, I'll come, I'll try your new thing. As long as I really liked your old stuff. Uh, he burnt me enough times that I kind of stopped trying. And, um, as we go, th as we go through the, the latter part of his run, you'll see, um, I'll have a bunch of entries where I go, I didn't see it. So I, I can't really comment on it. Um, but let's let's start with the good stuff. Let's start with the golden period. Okay, so Tim Burton. Um, Tim Burton, b before he makes his uh, uh, feature film debut, he's a he's an animator. He's worked for Disney, um, and he made a couple of really really great shorts, uh, Vincent and Frankenweenie. Um, if you haven't seen those, I say look them up. They're they're really fun, and you can see like oh man, he's he's kind of fully formed, right? He's kind of um, Athena popping out of Zeus's skull, it seems like. What's Tim Burton... Uh, Tim Burton is... You can say something's Burton-esque. It's, it's shorthand for a style. You kind of can instantly conjure up what that means. Um, as a kid, you know, I, I didn't know who Edward Gorey was. Um, I kind of knew who Vincent Price was in some of those old Roger Corman movies. So basically, I didn't know a lot of uh, Tim Burton's like direct influences. So to me, he was like... Oh my God! Where is he getting this from? This is this is totally original, and I'm not saying he's not original. He's 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 synthesizing a lot of different things, um, but you, you, especially with Evergory, I, I saw this direct line. Of, oh, okay, this this is like Evergory, and then the Adams family, um, the comic strip. You can see like okay, these things um, very much are without them, there is no Tim Burton. So. Um, get that out of the way, and, and I'm not saying again. I'm not saying Tim Burton's like a ripoff. I'm not saying that. Um, if you like Tim Burton, you maybe should check check down some of those other things and see where he gets some of his ideas from, because um, I think you'll 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 really dig those too. But let's go. Let's go. Um, his run begins with his first uh, film. So he does these great um he, these great shorts. He um he works for Disney, but he's he's basically starting to become um the this short uh, Frank Weenie especially gets a lot of um. My, if I remember correctly, what I've heard was that um, it was supposed to be included with a, a re-release of a Pinocchio, I think, of Disney in the films, in the theaters. But um, they said it's a little too dark, a little too weird, and it's a little too long. And so it didn't come out that way, but it started circulating through Hollywood, and so um, it got him a deal, right? And so his first film was going to be After Hours, which, of course, became a Scorsese thing. Um, and what's kind of interesting is, I guess, 
uh, Scorsese didn't like take it from him. Scorsese, Tim Burton is kind of signed on as the director, and uh, the the producers were like all all about it. This would be his first film. They were really confident with him, and Scorsese saw the script. Was like, oh, I really love to do this. And the producers like, oh, sorry, you know, Martin, but uh, we got this Tim Burton guy. We want to give him a shot. Tim Burton heard about this, and he's like, uh, no, if, if Martin Scorsese wants to do it, that that's okay. He can do it. I I got some other things going. Incredible, right? And I'm glad because after hours, it, it just I can't imagine Tim Burton's career starting without this first movie. Yeah, and it's it's obviously going to be a jaw dropping debut. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> it's Pee Wee's Big Adventure is so rewatchable, so damn fun. I watched it as a child, just went nuts for it, and you kind of see okay, obviously um, Paul Rubens who plays Pee Wee and Phil Hartman who wrote the script. Um, they're they're a big um, component to this movie, right? Their 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 um, their story elements, their writing, their their Paul Rubin's performance, all that stuff. But Tim Burton, he puts a stamp on early on. There's so many weird moments. That you have the Tim Burton thing, which is um, kind of from the Spielberg camp, where you take a suburbia and kind of mundane lifestyle, and you mix it with the um, fantastic, right? But of course, Tim Burton's thing is like this Californian. Um, basically looks like always looks like a Tom Petty music video to me. Tom, uh, Californian suburbs with this dark, um, gothic, but kind of played for laughs. Uh, uh, I guess like he, it's it's just a tincture. He just, he puts in he throws these things together, and there's a clash, and it and they play off each other really well. Um, they accentuate each other, uh, and it works. And in this one, you know, it's not as gothy as his, his later films, but there's definitely there's a creepy clown elements. There's some cool dream sequences. There's that Eastern German expressionism, Eastern German, the German expressionism, uh, film influence. You know, um, and also I'll say as a kid I loved his movies, but almost all the one, all or at least the, the first few ones I was really young. There's always one part which was was actually kind of scary, and it kind of freaked me out. So this one is obviously Large Marge. <laughs> when Large Marge picks up Pee Wee in the truck, he starts telling her story. The actress is is weird enough. She she's just kind of unsettling, and like I can see it now and see how zany it is and how over the top and how it's funny. But I'm already as a kid, I was already on edge. Like this is I don't like this. This is getting under my skin. So when she transforms to a stop motion monster, I fucking lost it. Right. I I so basically when I watch this at home. I would uh, I would skip past that part. It was just, it just, I didn't like it. It was, it was too much. And it, what was cool about it is that it is extra scary as a kid because everything else is so much fun and, and lighthearted, basically. You know, he's, he's looking for his bicycle. Um, so that just came, it became, it just came out of nowhere, it felt like it was jarring. And now I really appreciate all these different tones. Um, and the other big takeaway you should know is that I, um, I still do it. I mastered Pee Wee's uh, tequila dance, you know, on, on his tiptoes. I don't need any special shoes. I can just do it in regular shoes. Um, as a kid, I used to do it all the time. And I, I will still drop it when I feel like I really need, need to make a serious statement at a party or a get-together. Um, if you don't know how to do that, I recommend just, just watching uh, some clips of Pee Wee and, uh, and just you know try your best, okay? It's, it's definitely worth the while. But Tim Burton comes through, right? Pee Wee's Big Adventure, it's a huge hit. It's... Um, it's it's it puts him on the map in a lot of ways. Um, everyone's like, oh my god, this is this is a different style. This is something we haven't seen before. And 
he follows through, which which really cool is like a lot of people um in this era they have to kind of do like um you know Tim Burton didn't like think of Pee Wee's uh, Pee Wee is is Paul Rubin and Phil Hartman's uh, character. Tim Burton has his own influence in there, and he helped with the story. But um, instead of just doing like uh, like After Hours, like he was offered first, or the next film is like a Bond movie or something else, or I guess nowadays it'd be a Marvel movie, he, at least initially, still has a lot of original ideas of his own. And so luckily he does that next. And the next film is, um, it's a fiery follow-up. I think it's even better than Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It's a personal favorite of mine, and I think it's actually maybe his... Um, his most his most rewatchable film and maybe his most fun film. It's Beetlejuice, 1988. So the first one, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, is 1985. 88 comes out, Beetlejuice. Holy shit, Beetlejuice. Um, as a child, fucking adored Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice was, it, to me, it's like, okay, so I, I love Ghostbusters, which is comedy and supernatural uh, creepy stuff. This is, this is like, a, 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 like another Ghostbusters to me. Um, Michael Keaton, uh, Mr. Mom at the time, before he's Batman... He becomes this David Lee Roth esque sleazy uh, ghost who um, he's a ghost of the most baby. He's he's so funny. He's so charismatic. He's so funny. He's also still kind of menacing and sinister in this film. He's only in the movie. I think like it's like ten minutes or fifteen minutes. He's he's in it way less than you think, but his presence is huge. He just nails it. Um, Winona Ryder, of course. Winona Ryder, um, especially as a kid of like the eighties and nineties, like. You got mermaids, you got this, you got uh, Lucas, you have, um, of course, Heathers, right? She is this huge fixture and one of my favorite actresses, um, and actually, just favorite actors, okay? I, I love Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder um, just has crazy, just a weird package of stuff that always seems to work, you know? And she's great. And I think she's like 15 or something. You know, she's young. Um, she's funny as hell in it. Uh, it's great. And, of course... Um, uh, Catherine, oh, oh, is it Catherine O'Hara, uh, the you know the mom from Home Alone, she's great in this too. Um, she's so funny as a, I think it's, is it Delia, yeah. Oh man, she, she, <laughs> she, her. Okay, so Tim Burton gets to play around with um, it's Cat, Catherine O'Hara. I was basically right. Delia Dietz. Tim Burton gets to play around with her her art and her sculptures, which are very much Tim Burton's weird shit. But she's also kind of a fun character of like New York uh it's the weird kind of like Bowie um New York yuppie vampire thing going so it's they're sort of goth in their own way but they're all they're all about money and they're just soulless and it's almost like they have no actual artistic uh, merit but they're trying because they want to be they want to be unique and cool they so they're not content to just be rich and so she's sort of that but she, there's also yeah she, she Catherine O'Hara is really good. She's very funny, but she also you don't hate her. You you you, you still like her. Um, you, you still like what she's doing, and and you, you I I don't know if you're pulling for her because she is kind of villainous in a lot of ways, but you never um, you're never so upset by what she does. She's just sort of reckless. Uh, she's a great performance. Um, Alec Baldwin, which before it's funny. Um, and years later when I see some other stuff, I didn't recognize him because his hair was so different in the glasses. He's, you know, Gina Davis. Um, Gina Davis. Is just hit her and Alec Baldwin together with Winona. Just great stuff. Um, Gina Davis had a really good, like, you know, unfortunately, I think Hollywood did the thing where she hit, like, 35, and they said, no more no more roles for you, which is bullshit, but they do that to women a lot. I don't know if it's getting better or if, or if 
or I don't know. I, I don't know if it's getting better or not. But definitely in this time period, it's just seemed to happen to her. Um, and, of course, she was in Treasure Island, which is, like, a huge flop. But, you know, how many, like, dude actors have had flops that also get other chances? Point is, Gina Davis is fantastic in this. This is part of when I was a kid. She did this, uh, League of Her Own, The Fly, a bunch of movies I just really, really enjoyed. And she's really fun in this. Michael Keaton does steal the show. Um, as far as, like, but actually, Michael Keaton does as far as actors go. Tim Burton is the one who really steals the show. Tim Burton... This is like full-on Burton. This is, there's so many ideas crammed to this one movie. And it's it's a it's a sh- short movie. I forget what, it's like 80 minutes or something like that. It just flies by. You have um, Exorcist, uh, Bio-Exorcist who exercises the living. You have the weird afterlife in itself. There's sandworms. There's the dune thing. Um, the sequence, which did freak me out as a kid, even though I love it, um, was the, the dance around the table, uh, for um, working on the line and the shrimp hands, the shrimp hands, the hands come out of the bowl with these shrimp fingers. Something about that fucked me up. I, I was always like, oh, I got scared. And then I knew it was coming. I, I couldn't watch. I either fast forward or just, or I actually, I love that dancing. I think I just close my eyes and wait for that to pass because that something about to unsettle me. I don't know. This, this film, oh man, I wish to God Tim Burton would still make movies like this. And as we'll talk about further on, I think part of the problem is, and it happens in Spielberg too, the CGI revolution happens, right? And these guys who are already doing special effects late in movies, um, you know, they go, okay, great, I can do even more stuff. And unfortunately, I think some of the limitations of practical effects, and even Tim Burton used stop motion effects, some of those limits um, are good. They make you, uh, you can't do any everything you want to do, so you have to really think about what's important, what, what would be good. And I also think there's just a charm to like the stop motion stuff compared to the CGI stuff. So Tim Burton's my number one casualty of CGI ruining ruining a, a great um, a great visual director. But luckily, there's no fucking CGI in this movie, and everything's good to go. So 88 Beetlejuice. This is a fiery follow-up, even better. What do you do to follow it up? Your third movie is fucking Batman. If you're Tim Burton. He does 1989's Batman. Um, that's his third movie. It's it's kind of insane. Like I knew, I think you know Warner Brothers knew Batman had the potential to be humongous, right? They did. I think they had no idea it could be that big. Like, and I think no one knew. Um, this would set the template for um, superhero movies. Um, you know, I guess things have changed, but there's still a lot that this movie establishes how to do a superhero movie right that is still being followed. And it's a weird pick for Tim Burton to direct it, um, but it, it def- definitely works. And I think um, what this film is, the run continues, obviously. Um, but this film is, it's not a shadow caster because uh, you can think about Tim Burton and you don't have to necessarily think of Batman. In fact, I think this film is so big it actually kind of exists outside of Tim Burton in a way. It's um, it's like it, it would be a shadow caster, but it get, gets even bigger and it just takes through the air. And so you can view this apart from its creator. It's more like the, the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper, where it's like, uh, yeah, you talk about the Beatles all day long, and then Sgt. Pepper's a whole other conversation. Batman's a whole other conversation. Um, this, of course, takes Tim Burton to the stratosphere. It gives him, you know, carte blanche to do whatever he wants for a long time. His other films are hits. They they did well, but this this is a phenomenon. This is this is bigger than that. Um, 
is it any good? Yeah, Batman is still good. Yeah, I'm a comic book nerd. I have um, you know, problems with the you know, them changing elements of Batman's character, him killing people, uh, the Joker being the guy who killed his parents. But at the same time, I get it. If you're only to them, they're making one Batman movie. Let's let's reduce the story and kind of make it work. There's way more good in this movie than bad. Um, it's a spectacle. It's uh, there's such a weird vibe. The city looks beautiful. Um, I should also mention, like, I, I believe, uh, I forget if it's from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but I think Beetlejuice is Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman's doing the music for that. And Tim Burton, Danny Elfman, I believe they work on almost every film he's ever done since. Um, huge contributor. The Batman theme. Uh, y- you can't deny it. This, this, this movie, uh, this movie not only changed movies and all that stuff. I've written, I've made comic books about it. I've talked about it at length on other podcasts, but this movie changed my life. Like, it really did. Um, I, I was uh, eight or nine when the movie came out, and that summer, my Aunt Susie uh, took me and my sister to see it. And I was already kind of looking at comic books and, and a little bit, this and this and that. But this movie, uh, it just it just electrified my entire like little boy's soul. And so I got way into comic books. I got The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller uh, soon after. And reading that, and then starting to read more comics and stuff like that, it just it sent me on this whole path. And so I make comic books now. You know, I write I write novels, and I also draw and write comic books. And it's it's directly because of this movie. This movie was inescapable. I think there's a million kids. You know, I'm 40 years old. People, my story, uh, who who basically have my same story. Like this movie set them on this path. Tim Burton's a big part of that. Without Tim Burton, this movie does not work. I don't know. It maybe maybe it works with somebody else, but it will not work the same way. It will not be the same movie. Um. He he puts he puts his own spin on Batman. He, all his films have been about misfits, misfits who um, they either want to belong or but they realize they can't belong, or they um, they just want to be left alone. Maybe and Batman is, is is that so it's always about this like some dark outsider making their way through the world. So that's Tim Burton's into Batman and it works perfectly, right? He um. It, 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 I can see why they picked him actually in a lot of ways too, because like it's got you have you have some of the things that he's already into, and he's gonna have a visual stamp on it. It's great. It's um, it, I will say, you know, there is some you know, it's is a huge budget movie. It's Jack Nicholson. Um, he didn't have final say on a lot of stuff, so it's a Tim Burton movie. But the next Batman movie will be much more of a Tim Burton movie. And going forward, he, um, you know, this movie gives him his bona fide. So, he, you know, he's he's big league now. Like, he, he's big, 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 he's big, big, big league. He's fucking, he, he's on his way. So, as a kid, I think I saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure first. And then I think Batman Beetlejuice is all kind of the same time. So, I basically, um, I was old enough to go, like, I know who directors are. I already kind of knew who Spielberg was. And I, 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 I to me, Edward's, uh, Edward Scissorhands, <laughs> to me, Tim Burton was, he wasn't, he was a new Spielberg. He was, um, he was the guy who's making that happen. He had such a, he had such a particular way of doing things, a certain kind of humor, a certain kind of visual look, uh, and the themes all seemed to resonate from the same place. And, um, I, I was all about him and his next movie um, cemented that for me. So the next film he does Batman in '89, he does 1990s Edward Scissorhands. This is a masterpiece. This movie, this is a victory lap, right? So he gets all this, um, he gets power, and, and he's allowed to do what he wants to do, right? And he decides, um, 
he wants to do like a fairy tale, a modern fairy tale with a very weird character. Edward Scissorhands, we kind of accept him now, but what the fuck? I remember the kid going, seeing a trailer, be like, whoa, what? What is he? Like, is he a zombie with scissor hands? Is he like a vampire? Is he like a cyborg? Is he like a weird, like pale flesh? Like he's he's like a, like a re- reanimated cyborg with the crazy hands? Is he like a mutant, like Wolverine? I had so many questions, which are, which are great. And the film addresses some of them. But um, what's cool about the film is like the vibe was very much like don't ask too many questions. It's not about that. It's about it's about the symbolism. It's about the vibe, and the movie. It just this, this is like the perfect, the perfect encapsulation of his Californian suburban thing, his love of like the sixties and the seventies, even though it's modern day. Um, meets his gothic. He he gets Vincent Price to be in the movie. It's his last role. You have the his his ever present blonde girls who are usually love interest. You know, Winona Ryder comes back and she uh, she um, she does a great performance. Um, but you know the the big the big game here is Johnny Depp. Uh, Johnny Depp and him go on to become like De Niro and Scorsese. And make like ten movies together. Um, I think the first few are really good. You know, but of course, I think Tim Burton's uh, run goes down, and Johnny Depp eventually becomes diminishing returns too. And so those two together is like fucking poison. But initially, it's not. It's it's great. It's perfect, actually. It's um, you can see that Tim Burton's characters, uh, at least a lot of them, they definitely they look a little bit like him. They seem like they they're they're standings for him. And, and Edward Scissorhands is one of the most obvious ones. The wild hair. Um, you know, it's it's very simple, but it's still powerful. The, the the childlike idea of like he can't touch anything. He can't. He wants to. His fingers are fucking scissors. You know, um, he doesn't want to hurt anyone, but he can't touch anyone. It's beautiful, right? And with those hands, what can he do? He can make art. He can he can cut hair. He can make beautiful things. He cannot touch anything. Again, it's it, you know on paper it's simple, very simple. But um, in the film, if you give yourself over to it, it's beautiful. It's it's it's. It's very lyrical, and the whole film is like that. Um, you also get juiced up. Uh, my, Anthony Michael Hall. The first time I saw him, all beefed up. I didn't know who it was. I was like, "Oh, that's the guy from fucking Weird Science." What happened? Um, incredible film. Uh, I think it's his best one. It, it's got the perfect balance of heart, humor, uh, weirdness. Um, it's so good, man. It's so, I, I can hear the music. Danny Elfman's music is always good, but this one, it's like, it's so touching, so beautiful, man. Uh, the only thing I'll give uh, a couple knocks on is Winona Ryder's old person makeup and her voice. She's trying too hard. It's a little cheese ball, but fuck it. It doesn't matter. It does not diminish from this film. Masterpiece. Edward Scissorhands forever. Also, without Edward Scissorhands, you wouldn't have Edward Forty Hands. And you wouldn't have the awesome drinking game. Thank you, Tim Burton. Thank you for helping us um, on our way. So this is his victory lap, right? He's allowed to do what he wants to do. And it's a weird fucking movie. And everyone's here for it. It's a hit. It's big. It's really big. Um... So guess what? The victory lap continues. They're like, well, the producer's like, okay, man. So you got to do one for you. Uh, we're going to do another Batman because that movie made some fucking bank. Let's go. Let's do Batman. And this time, you know what, Tim? Uh, go nuts. You want you want to go? You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. He gets nuts. Uh, 1992's Batman Returns. This is i uh, I'll tell you my story. Batman Returns. As a kid, I watched it. I liked it a lot. 
but I um I didn't think it was good as Batman one. I I um that was a little weird. Um, it felt a little sad. It felt a little melancholy. Um, I, I think I was a little too young to really appreciate the sexual uh, fireworks going off between Catwoman and Batman. And Penguin was, wasn't as cool as the Joker. So I, I had some nitpicks. Um, I now definitely like it more than Batman 1. And I think part of that is... Um, I think Batman 1 probably is a more solid film in general. But Batman Returns is more interesting and adventurous. And... Um, kind of falls apart a little bit in the third act and um but the actual ending comes through big time um i think that yeah michael keaton and batman take a backseat to the other characters but catwoman's character is so strong danny vito is doing such a crazy great job with penguin um he makes penguin actually interesting and the, the story they concocted with him um it's really cool it's sort of like um the, the thing it's really missing is you don't have some of the great big action set pieces the first movie had. They try, but they're kind of just—they're not exactly the same. And I've kind of been okay with that as I get older. Like the penguins with the rockets, are, I think are actually really fun and, and weird and cool. I dig that. I um I love all the Catwoman stuff. I love just how fucking bonkers her story is, and it still works. Michelle Pfeiffer, of course, is one of the greatest foxes of all time. Super hot, great actress. Uh. She she plays this role, she plays it uh, sympathetic, sinister, um, sexy, uh, manipulative, super smart, total victim, um, helpless, tragic. It's like there's so much shit going on, and it, a lot of it's just her, her expressions, the way she does stuff. And she's also funny. She, she has tons of funny lines, and they're intentionally funny. She has chemistry with everybody. Michael Keaton and her actually were a, a couple years before this movie came out, and I on screen I was like oh they have a thing going on it's it's good it it's it feels real um Mike and of course Christopher Walken man Max Shrek dude with a movie with a, somebody looks like Penguin and Catwoman he still somehow kind of steals the show with the, the Christopher Walken crazy lines his amazing hair um good film good really good film it's a victory lap he's allowed to do a lot of things but, you know, the thing is, as a kid, I thought it was just okay. A lot of people kind of shared that. They thought it was just okay or just bad. It wasn't what the first one was. And so the movie wasn't a bomb, but it was not as big as the first one. And the truth is, I think they, in retrospect, people kind of understand, like, how could it be bigger than the first one? That first one, that first one was just, it was zeitgeist. It was just gigantic. So... Tim Burton, it's not like his career is over, but not by any means. But um, and he's allowed to actually continue to do, do whatever the hell he wants. But I think a lot of people um, he, they if they didn't sour on him, they definitely were kind of like getting their eye raised, like okay, I don't know if I can always trust you. Um, and the next film on our list is it's controversial in that he didn't actually direct this film. Um, he is a. A, a, he gives provides the story, the character designs, and he's you know a major major creator of the sh of the movie, um, which is 1993's The Nightmare Before Christmas, it's a stop motion animated film. But he did not direct it. I'm going to include it in this run because it's really good. Um, it's even though it's called Tim Burton's Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas, and it's called that for a reason. He didn't direct it, but he he's a big chunk of the pie, man. Okay, so 
this is him uh this is him reinventing his roots cuz he's he's an animator right he's he's in the stop motion he loves that kind of stuff he loves christmas stories he um he gets to do it all here and this film is actually just a i i think it was it wasn't a flop but i think it was modestly successful at the box office it went on it it became humongous so this 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 film you still see uh, Jack Skeleton uh, merchandise and and stuff for Halloween and for Christmas. This movie had legs. This is sort of um, I'm not gonna say it's a misunderstood masterpiece because it's I won't go that far, but it's definitely it was a slow burn and it's one of those things. It's it's one of the biggest things he's uh, still got in the culture. People still bring up and talk about and and, and love is this movie. Danny Elfman, of course, doing doing the voice of Jack. And providing the music, um, Catherine O'Hara comes back from Beetlejuice. Uh, it, it, it's top-notch stuff. Nightmare for Christmas, super rewatchable. My two-year-old daughter lo- likes, loves it. Um, I love it. It's it's timeless. He 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 really nailed it on this one. So even though he did direct this, we're gonna we're gonna include it in the run, and um, we're gonna give him give him high marks on this. Okay, good job. So. He's had this sort of um, mediocre uh, kind of uh, ex- acceptance of Batman Returns um, and sort of mediocre acceptance of Nightmare Before Christmas. Even though that you know both will have bigger returns later on as far as fan bases, especially Nightmare Before Christmas. But he's not—he's he, not like he has to do like a, a work for hire thing. But I think he is thinking like, well, um, let's do something different. Let's do. Let's try something else. I, you know, in a way, he's like, I think I, I, you know, I got some juice still left over from the first Batman movie and my, um, you know, you know, other stuff. But um, I, I should try to use that now because maybe I can't get this movie made in a couple of years if um, if if my next film is not hit. He does Ed Wood, 1994's Edward. This is his curveball. This is a, a sort of biopic. Um, and this is still him sort of reinventing his roots, at least exploring his roots. You know, Ed Wood and and those kind of um, crappy but amazing films, and he's but he's doing it. He he's not doing it. Um, he's doing this in the most realistic way he's ever made a movie. It's it's really about a, a real person and their real life. And there's there's still comedy and there's of course the fantastical stuff comes into the the films within the film. He gets to explore that, but he's playing it pretty straight. Um, Edward's great. Ed Edward is a is a. It's it's another masterpiece, honestly. Um. Bill Murray does a great role in it, and this is right around, right right before, I think, uh, Rushmore, so this is kind of Bill Murray setting up to people, I think, like, I can do dramatic stuff that's still funny, and, you know, I'm still around. Uh, Ed Wood, another Johnny Depp uh, collaboration, um, incredible. I think Martin Landau wins the Oscar for uh, Best Supporting Actor for playing Bella Lugosi. Uh, I think Depp might have been uh, nominated, too. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is in there doing doing a good job. Um, again, you know, the, the main character, Ed Wood, is a real person, but you see how uh, Tim Burton could kind of uh, identify with him in a lot of ways. Uh, of course, Tim Burton's a very successful director, uh, but he was an oddball, like Ed Wood. Or he is an oddball. So Ed Wood is great. Um, it's probably, uh, it, it's definitely, it, it's a masterpiece. It's not his masterpiece, but it's a masterpiece. It's his most mature work uh, up until this point, easily. And it shows. It's a curveball for doing that, and I think it all pays off. So, it's a success. He, he's he's kind of he's being uh, I think uh, 
he's he's opened up uh, people to his possibilities again. What does he follow with? Two years later, 1996, he does a film called Mars Attacks. This is an, a, another victory lap, kind of the victory lap off Ed Wood and him kind of going, okay, I'm not going to just do serious movies. I, I'm, I'm still Tim Burton, man. That was kind of a one-off. I'm back to being me. Um, let's do something fun. And it is. Mars Attacks is really fun. It's... it's um, the creatures, the Martians themselves are, um, I read somewhere, um, someone talk, talked about how they're, um, the spirit you get from these creatures is kind of like gremlins. These little, mischievous, murderous, hilarious creatures just wreaking havoc for, for an hour and a half. And that's kind of the movie. And he's this huge cast. He's going for like a 70s disaster picture, but with, um, with aliens. Um, the only thing I'll say against it, and it is a big strike, this is the beginning of the CGI creeping into Tim Burton's uh, world. And actually, it's not creeping in. It's, it, it's full on in. Um, uh, the, the creatures, they were going to be stop motion originally, I think, or, or puppets. And he, uh, he decided to go CGI. You know, it's 1994. Terminator 2 has happened. Jurassic Park is either happening or has, has happened. He's like, this is the way it's going. I'm, I'm going I'm to try it out, too. And this is going to be, basically, this is like a... The first sip of poison, which is going to kill him. Um, Mars Attacks is the last, is the end of the run. This is the last great one. It's it's a hell of a ride. It's so fun. Uh, so many funny characters. Jack Nicholson playing two different parts. Um, Tom Jones plays himself, and he's fighting monsters. Great stuff. Sarah Jessica Parker comes back. Does a really cool role. Michael J. Fox is in it. It it's it's a blast, man. He's having a ball. It's um really fun. It's sort of the anti-event movie, like Independence Day and other, and other stuff where it's like, yeah, there's going to be big special effects and big uh, showstoppers, but it's really more about weird little moments and creatures and gags. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. I love it for that. I do wish... Uh, I wish those those aliens looked better, though, man. They, it's it's really bad. Especially watching it now. It's like, they're so damn shiny and just, like, fake-looking. and it's not, Obviously, they, look, they would look fake if they were stop-motion or whatever. They look like puppets but they look they look like they're painted onto the onto the uh, the screen it just, just doesn't look like they're even in the same room it's a bummer man but it, the bigger bummer is that this is the end of the tim burton glory run but we'll, let's go real quick before we go down uh what happens afterwards his run we have Wee's big adventure we have beetlejuice we have batman we have edward scissorhands we have batman returns we have nightmare before christmas ed wood mars attacks eight films from his first film on his first eight films are a beautiful run Tim Burton, and that's why it breaks my fucking heart, right? Because what we're going to go through is that this guy, you know, he, I would allow him a few flubs here and there, but he kind of just fucking tanks after this. And I think CGI is a big reason why. I think also, even beyond that, he kind of, um, he comes on the scene with with a very definitive style. And he adds to it a little bit, but, but he kind of doesn't, unlike Wes Anderson, for instance, who is a, uh, continuing to add to what he does so he's uh he's deepening what he can do tim burton doesn't seem feel, feel like he's really grown he, he kind of sets up who he is and he kind of stays the same so of course it's going to be diminishing returns and the first thing that kind of really proves that is his next film after mars attacks is 1999's sleepy hollow on paper this should be a fucking home run right it's a tale of sleepy hollow johnny depp's back christopher walken's back as the headless horseman um, you have Christina Ricci uh, pitching for one on a writer. Probably doesn't want to make a movie of Johnny Depp at this point because they're they're exes. Um, 
this should be good, right? <laughs> it's not, man. It's uh, it feels it feels boring. It feels stayed. It feels like um, it feels like he doesn't have any new ideas, and the old ideas he's still doing, he's done better before. It also starts this thing where Mars Mars text was an adaptation. Don't get me wrong. Edwards is a is a true story, um, but he had a fair share of original ideas. For most of the rest of the run, they're all adaptations, uh, with a few exceptions. And I think eventually that really kills him because it's like, okay, Tim Burton's version of blank. Uh, eventually, I, I would love this for him to go, oh, this is this is another Beetlejuice. This is just another crazy idea I concocted. And that doesn't happen much anymore. It hurts to run. Sleepy Hollow, just, it, you know, it's not bad. I wouldn't say it's a terrible film. It's just okay. There's some cool stuff here and there. But overall, uh. And honestly, it felt a little bit like uh, someone doing a Tim Burton impression. The next film was really when I was like, oh, I think I'm fucking out. Uh, it was Planet of the Apes, 2001's Planet of the Apes. Uh, it's It sucks, man. The, the actual ape creatures, uh, Rick Baker did the effects, they all look great, man. They look really good. Um, having Charleston Heston be like the, the old monkey who gives the new monkey like the, a gun, and the gun's going to be going to ruin the world, basically really smart funny i believe that's satirical maybe charleston heston didn't realize it maybe tim burton didn't maybe it's all an accident but i think that was really funny um tim roth does a good performance as like the the main mean ape um but dude no this, this movie is a, it's a mess it's boring it just it also feels um it doesn't feel very tim burtony and and, and that could be good but what's replaced it is just kind of uh Ah, it just feels like the director of Stargate did this thing or something. I don't know. So 2001's Planet of the Apes, big, big loss. Not a good movie. That's his, that's his first not good movie. He had one okay one, and this one, Planet of the Apes, is not good. He comes back, though. 2003, Big Fish. Big Fish, I believe, is isolated greatness. This film is um, a little over overly sentimental. Very, That's very true. It gets a little cloying at times. The Spielberg valve goes a little too far at times but overall the heart feels like it's there it feels earned it feels like this is the same guy who made Edward Scissorhands um fathers and sons uh strong theme strong family stuff um some of the effects of course you get the CGI stuff and I'm like oh man I can't help but say I feel like if those effects a lot some of those effects are more practical would have been a better film it would it would have given it a different kind of uh quality and air to it that's not there but that being said big fish man this is uh this is the last one of his i saw that i um really really liked i saw it in a theater i saw it in the cheap seats but i saw it in the theater um unfortunately uh tim burton does not follow through he, he isn't like uh people you know this is a hit uh people like it but it um he's he, his next film i think really uh is another bad film, another straight up bad film. 2005's Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is one of my favorite films as a kid. Just straight up, love it. Um, I th when I saw this on paper, I heard about this. I was like, oh, this could be great. Tim Burton could do a really cool version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? It's not that. It's not fun. It's not fun. Johnny Depp's approach. I understand he didn't want to be Gene Wilder. Uh, you know, part two. So he didn't go for the manic, over-the-top Gene Wilder thing. What he replaces it with is this weird sort of Michael Jackson impression, which kind of is smart, 
but it, it isn't um you don't really like uh Willy Wonka in this film at all. Gene Wilder, despite his character straight up hating children, you're always on his page. You're always like, Yeah, I'm with you, dude. Those those little fucks suck. Let him drown in the chocolate lake. Goodbye, Augustus. This one, you know, you're kind of like, these kids suck, but you suck too. You're weird. Your hair is very distracting, um, and as are your giant uh, fake teeth. It just doesn't play. But um, even if I got past the Johnny Depp of it all, it just, it's, the CGI is running rampant. Uh, it doesn't feel that fun. Um, it just it just feels a little soulless. And th- this is, I think, why I officially was like, well, unless I hear... The next thing you make being really, really good. Um, I I'm gonna sit out sit out for a while, Tim. I'm I'm good. And so his next film is uh, Corpse Bride. So this is another animated film. This one he actually co-directed. So he actually he has more of a stamp on this one uh, than A Nightmare Before Christmas. I have not seen Corpse Bride. Um, what I saw looked okay. Um, I I think people think it's okay. I think people do compare it to Nightmare Before Christmas, and of course. Nightmare Before Christmas is a beloved classic, so it's going to fail in that comparison. Um, I can't say if it's good or bad. Um, I feel like I would have heard more about it if it was actually a forgotten classic, but I feel like I feel like I'm not missing too much on that one. The next one I am actually I do want to watch because I I um, I've heard some good things. So the next one is 2007's uh, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. So. Uh, this one I'm open to hearing this might be some isolated greatness from Tim Burton um, it's a musical Johnny Depp's back uh, but it's a slasher musical I've heard some people say yeah it's, it's really really good uh, it's uh, really stylish and it, it, it all kind of checks out this music's great Johnny Depp uh, he can actually carry a musical I've heard some good things um, I haven't seen it though I saw like a trailer and I saw a couple songs and it looked cool but um, I didn't try it so I'm willing to give that Isolate Greatness a chance. I will say that even though it is great, even if Corpse Bride and Sweeney Todd are both really good, the next film I think is probably really bad. Um, 2010's Alice in Wonderland. I saw at least 40 minutes of this on TV. Not So I am definitely an expert. Um, it looked fucking bad. It looked really bad. So I, I know I harp on the CGI, but the CGI was just like in your face. It's like the main part of the movie, it feel like, feels like. And what I saw wasn't cool and funny and... The thing is, Alice in Wonderland is that's one of the most adapted things I've books I think ever at this point. What can you do with it? What can you do that's new or different? Um, it didn't look special, and this feels like very much like Tim Burton. Just give me some some uh, source material, and I'll I'll put my spin on it. And he's and, and his spin is uh, it's no longer novel, and it's um it's kind of predictable. And so I wasn't I wasn't impressed with what I saw. I was, though, surprised and somewhat impressed by 2012's Dark Shadows. I saw this in a hotel. I was on a trip somewhere. I don't remember where. I uh, took a night. Uh, instead of going out, I was like, oh, I'm going to chill out a little bit. It was on HBO or something. I watched it. This movie was really fun. Okay, I, I, I think um, if it was included in their initial run, it might just squeak by. But it is, it's good enough to be in the run, um, despite... Or at least it's almost good enough. Yeah, the special effects again. I'll say some of the effects are just straight up bad. Like Tim Burton, have you seen the daily? Are the, the effects coming back from like the visual effects people? It's they look fucking terrible. Look like a looks like a like a Snapple commercial from '96. Anyways, but Evergreen, 
Huge performance. So funny. So over the top. So sexy. Greatness. Uh, Johnny Depp. Great performance. Actually, I at this point, I was done with Johnny Depp too. But I saw this and he's, he's fucking funny. When he kills the Boy Scouts... <laughs> There's some laughing thinking about it. It's great. The film takes place in the 70s. You have a lot of cool 70s jokes. Michelle Pfeiffer's back in the mix. Cool. Um, Alice Cooper shows up. It's it's a good time. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I heard him doing Dark Shadows. I was like, oh, man. Like To, to my knowledge, Dark Shadows was, was a soap opera that was uh, played very straight. Um, he, he takes the piss out of it, but I think it works for this. Again, I'm not a big Dark Shadows fan on the original stuff, so maybe if you're a Dark Shadows fan, you hate his take. But I thought this this kind of had like um, a little bit of his old Beetlejuice stuff where he, he was having fun and uh, just playing with different like uh, different different family dynamics and playing with uh, the classic uh, weird ghoulish misfit in the, in a world of uh, in a world of uh, sunny people. Although this family's pretty dark too. Um, I'll say Dark Shadows for what I, I saw the whole movie and I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, if damn it, if the, it just had more practical effects and less bad CGI, it would have been would have been great. Um, after that, I have not seen a, a single movie he's done, and so we have after that. There's uh, 2014's Big Eyes, which is the one I really want to watch because when I heard this announced, I was like, oh man, okay, he's back to Ed Wood. He's back to some serious stuff, some real people. Okay, interesting. Um, I was, I fell victim of, uh, reviews are mostly bad, so I'm not even going to try it, and so that's on me. Um, I've heard some good reviews, but I heard mostly bad reviews, and that's true. I kind of feel like I should just try it for myself and see what's up. Um, but I, I, of all these films, I think Big Eyes is the one that might be really good. Miss uh, Peregrine's Home for Particular Children. It looks, it's a, you know, Tim Burton X-Men, that sounds cool. Evergreen's in it. I, like, I love Evergreen. Um, but the trailer, it, it honestly just felt kind of like, eh. It looked, it looked like uh, someone doing a Tim Burton-esque movie. It just it didn't even look that cool. His Dumbo, I love that uh, Danny Vito's back in the, in the fray, but um, I don't want any, any more Tim Burton remakes of Disney films. I don't give a shit. I'm out. Um, so if Dumbo was actually secretly great... Let me know. If any of these films are really good, let me know, please, and I will uh, maybe watch them if you are very persuasive. Um, but unfortunately, no matter what, I think um, even the films I've not seen, I, I doubt highly that there's a consecutive run of great films in that second half of Tim Burton's career. And so what do we have? We have, uh, we have a guy who... He, he came on like a fucking burning comic just flying down he has a huge impact right and then the fire seems to sizzle away and it seems like we just have this this cool um rock where there used to be a flame i'm sorry to say that tim burton i think i i don't know i think he still i think he still uh puts in a lot of effort to his films i i believe that i don't think he's just like phoning it in but i think he um i think he would really benefit from trying something different or trying something a little more close to the bone uh, if, he, if he has it in him another Beetlejuice another Edward Scissorhands something like that I uh, I, I think the, his best bet is to no longer do adaptations and, and, and like you know just come on give me give me something give me something that I feel like you are truly passionate about 
and, and maybe he has, and uh, I've changed, and he hasn't changed, and that's the difference. I don't know. Um, but that being said, his run is is incredible. Great run. Eight films right out the gate, including Batman, which is a, its own monolithic, gigantic event of a film. But even beyond that, Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, like Edward, um, just just a great run. Um, so... I will say uh, this is gonna be uh, this is gonna ha- be how I end this run. This is gonna be the end of this uh, first season of uh, Five Star Autopsy, and I think we went out, we went out <laughs> in a blaze of glory, or uh, we we went out on maybe a bittersweet note. But that's what this whole show is about in a lot of ways. Um, but that being said, you know the show will be back. I'll have more stuff to talk about, more directors, and you know I kind of feel like. I'm not going to count Tim Burton out either. I feel like that dude, maybe he'll get his shit together and he'll make another great work. Um, and maybe this first season of my show was terrible. Who knows? Maybe the next season will be the one where the, the actual run of good podcast begins. Um, it's not up to me anymore. So anyways, thank you very much for listening. Um, appreciate it. Uh, take care of yourselves. I'll see you when I see you. Bye-bye.